Salutations. I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16th Law Success series, where I read out loud about 20 to 30 minutes of this great tone for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal and professional development is based, written by Napoleon Hill in 1928. I am now using this as public domain book as my foundation to success, and I want to bring you along for the journey. So please enjoy, and your feedback is always welcome. With gratitude, thank you. Lesson four, the habit of saving. Man is a combination of flesh, bone, blood, hair, and brain cells. These are the building materials out of which he shapes through the law of habit, his own personality. Quoted. To advise one to save money without describing how to save would be somewhat like drawing the picture of a horse and writing under it, quote, this is a horse, quote, it is obvious to all that the saving of money is one of the essentials for success. But the big question, utmost in the minds of the majority of those who do not save is, quote, how can I do it, quote, the saving of money is solely a matter of habit. For this reason, this lesson begins with a brief analysis of the law of habit. It is a literal true, it is literally true that man, through the law of habit, shapes his own personality. Through repetition, any act of indulged in a few times becomes a habit, and the mind appears to be nothing more than a mass of motivating forces growing out of our daily habits. When one when once fixed in the mind, a habit voluntarily impels one to action. For example, follow a given route to your daily work or to some other place that you frequently visit, and very soon the habit will have been formed in your mind will lead you over that route without thought on your part. Moreover, if you start out with the intention of traveling to another direction without keeping that thought of change in routes constantly in mind, you will find yourself following the old route. Public speakers have found that the telling over and over of a story, which may be based on pure fiction, brings into the play the law of habit, and very soon they will forget whether the story is true or not. Walls of Limitation Built Through Habit Millions of people go through life in poverty and want because they have made destructive use of the law of habit. Not understanding either the law of habit or the law of attraction through which the like attracts like, those who remain in poverty seldom realize that they are where they are as a result of their own acts. Fix in your mind the thought that your ability is limited to any given earning capacity and you will never earn more than that because the law of habit will set up a definition of limitation of the amount you can't earn. Your subconscious mind will accept this limitation and very soon you will frequent yourself, quote, slipping, until finally you will become so hedged in the fear of poverty, one of the basic six fears, that opportunity will no longer knock on your door. Your doom will be sealed and your fate fixed. Formation of the habit of saving does not mean that you shall limit your earning capacity. It means just the opposite, that you shall apply this law so that it not only conserves that which you earn, in a systematic manner, but it also places you in a way of greater opportunity 
and gives you the vision, the self-confidence, the imagination, the enthusiasm, the initiative, and the leadership actually to increase your earning capacity. Stating this great law in another way, when you thoroughly understand the law of habit, you may ensure yourself success in the great game of money-making by, quote, playing both ends of the game against the middle, quote. You proceed in this manner. First, through the law of definite chief aim, you set up in your mind an accurate definite description of what you want. Include the amount of money you intend to earn. Your subconscious mind takes over this picture which you have created and use it as a blueprint, chart, or map by which you mold your thoughts and actions into practical plans for attaining the object of your chief aim or purpose. Through the law of habit, you keep the object of your definite chief aim fixed in your mind in the manner described in Lesson 2 until it becomes firmly and permanently implanted there. This practice will destroy the poverty consciousness and set up in its place a prosperity consciousness. You will actually begin to demand prosperity. You will begin to expect it. You will begin to prepare yourself to receive it and to use it wisely, thus paving the way for setting the stage for the development of the habit of saving. Second, having in this manner increase your earning power, you will make further use of the law of habit by provision in your written statement of your definite chief aim for the saving a definite portion of all money you earn. Therefore, as your earning increase, your savings will likewise increase in portion. By ever urging yourself on and demanding of yourself self-increased earning power on the one hand, and by systematically laying aside a definite amount of all your earnings, on the other hand, you will soon reach the point at which you have removed all imaginary limitations from your own mind, and you will then be well started on the road toward financial independence. Nothing could be more practical or easily accomplished than this. Reverse the operation of law of habit, and by setting up in your mind the fear of poverty, and very, very soon you will reduce your earning capacity until you will be barely able to earn sufficient money to take care of your actual necessities. The publishers of the newspaper could create a panic in a week's time by filling their columns with news items concerning, concerning the actual business failures of the country, despite the fact that very few businesses compared to the total number in existence actually fail. The so-called, quote, crime waves are largely the products of sensational journalism. A single murder case, when exploited by the newspapers of the country through scare headlines, is sufficient to start a regular, quote, wave of similar crimes in various localities. Following the repetition in the daily papers of the Hicka murder story, similar cases began to be reported from other parts of the country. We are the victims of our habits, no matter who we are or what may be our life calling. Any idea that is deliberately fixed in the mind or any idea that is permitted to set itself up in the mind as the result of suggestion environment, the influences of associates, etc., is sure to cause us to indulge in acts which conform to the nature of the idea. Form the habit of thinking and talking of prosperity and abundance, and very soon material evidence of these will begin to manifest itself in the nature of wider opportunity and new unexpected opportunity. Like attracts like. If you are in the business and have formed the habit of talking and thinking about biz, quote, business being bad, quote, business will be bad. One pessimist, provided he is permitted to continue his destructive influence long enough, 
can destroy the work of a half dozen competent men, and he will do it by setting adrift in the minds of the associates the thought of poverty and failure. Don't be this type of man or woman. One of most successful bankers in the state of Illinois has the sign hanging in his private office. Quote, we talk and think only of abundance here. If you have a tale of woe, please keep it as we do not want it. Quote, no business firm wants the services of a pessimist, and those who understand the law of attraction and the law of habit will no more tolerate the pessimist than they would permit a burglar to roam around their place of business for the reason that one such person will destroy the usefulness of those around him. In tens of thousands of homes, the, gener the general topic of conversation is poverty and want, and that is just what they are getting. They think of poverty, they talk of poverty, they accept poverty as their whole lot in life. They reason that because their ancestors were poor before them, they also must remain poor. The poverty consciousness is formed as a result of the habit of thinking of and fe fearing poverty. Quote, lo, the thing I feared has come upon me. Quote, the slavery of debt. Debt is a merciless master, a fatal enemy of the saving of habit. Poverty alone is sufficient to kill off ambition, destroy self-confidence, destroy, destroy hope. But add to it the burden of debt, and all who were victims of these cru two cruel taskmasters are practically doomed to failure. No man can do his best work. No man can express himself in terms that command respect. No man can either create or carry out a definite purpose in life with heavy debt hanging over his head. The man who is bound in slavery of debt is just as helpless as a slave who is bound by ignorance or by actual chains. The author has very close friend whose income is $1,000 a month. His wife loves, quote, society and tries to make a $20,000 showing on a $12,000 income, with the result that the poor fellow is usually about $8,000 in debt. Every member of his family has the, quote, spending habit, quote, having acquired this from the mother. The children, two girls, one boy, are now at the age when they are thinking of going to college, but this is impossible because of the father's debts. The result is dissension between the father and his children, which makes his entire family unhappy and miserable. It is a terrible thing even to think of going through life like a prisoner in chains, bound down and owned by someone else on account of debts. The accumulation of debts is a habit. It starts in a small way and grows to enormous proportions slowly, step by step until finally it takes charge of one's very soul. Thousands of young men start their married lives with unnecessary debts hanging over their heads and never manage to get out from under the load. After the novelty of marriage begins to wear off, as it usually does, the married couple begin to feel the embarrassment of want, and this feeling grows until the low to leads oftentimes to open dissatisfaction with one another, and eventually to the divorce court. A man who is bound by the slavery of debt has no time or inclination to set up or work out ideals, with the result that he drifts downward with time until he eventually begins to set up limitations in his own mind, and by the by these he hedges himself behind the prison walls of fear and doubt which he never escapes. Break break, I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. No sacrifice is too great to avoid the misery of debt. Think quote think of what you owe yourself and those who are dependent upon you and resolve to be no man's debtor. Quote, is the advice of one of my very successful men whose 
Early chances were destroyed by debt. This man came to himself soon enough to throw off the habit of buying that which he did not need and eventually worked his way out of slavery. Most men who develop the habit of debt will not be so fortunate as to come to their senses in time to save themselves. Because debt is something like quicksand that it has a tendency to draw its victims deeper and deeper into the mirror. The fear of poverty is one of the most destructive of the six basic fears described in Lesson 3. The man who becomes hopelessly in debt is seized with the poverty of fear. This ambition and self-confidence become paralyzed and he sinks gradually into oblivion. There are two classes of debts, and they are so different in nature that they deserve to be here described as follows. 1. There are debts incurred for luxuries, which become a dead loss. 2. There are debts incurred in the course of professional or business trading, which represent services or merchandise that can be converted back into assets. The first class of debts is the one to be avoided. The second class may be indulged in, providing the one incurring the debts uses judgment and does not go beyond the bounds of reasonable limitation. The moment one buys beyond his limitation, he enters the realm of speculation, and speculation swallows more of its victims than it enriches. Practically, all people who live beyond their means are tempted to speculate with the hope that they may recoup, at a single turn of the wheel of fortune, so to speak, their entire indebtedness. The wheel generally stops at the wrong place, and, far from finding themselves out of debt, the people who indulge in speculation are bound more closely as slaves of debt. The fear of poverty breaks down the willpower of its victims and then they find themselves unable to restore their lost fortunes. And, what is still more sad, they will lose all ambition to extradite themselves from the slavery of debt. Hardly a day passes that one may not see an account in the newspapers or at least one suicide as a result of worry over debts. The slavery of debt causes more suicides every year than all other cases combined, which is a slight indication of the cruelty of the poverty of fear. During the war, millions of men faced the frontline trenches without flinching, knowing that death might overtake them at any moment. Those same men, when faced the fear of poverty, often cringe out of sheer desperation, which paralyzes their reason, sometimes commit suicide. The person who is free from debt may whip poverty and achieve outstanding financial success, but if he is bound by debt, such achievement is a remote possibility, never a probability. Fear of poverty is a negative, destructive state of mind. Moreover, one negative state of mind has a tendency to attract other similar states of mind. For example, the fear of poverty may attract the fear of ill health, and these two may attract the fear of old age, so that the victim finds himself poverty-stricken in health, in ill health and actually growing old long before the time when he should begin to show signs of old age. Millions of untimely, nameless graves have been filled by this cruel state of mind known as the fear of poverty. Less than a dozen years ago, a young man held a responsible position in the City National Bank of New York City. Through living beyond his income, he contracted a large amount of debts, which caused him to worry until his destructive habit began to show up in his work and he was dismissed from the bank's service. He secured another position at less money, but his creditors embarrassed him so that he decided to resign and go away into another city where he hoped to escape them until he had accumulated enough money to pay off his indebtedness. Creditors have a way of tracing debtors, so very soon they were close on the heels of this young man whose employer found out that his indebtedness and dismissed him from the position. 
He then searched in vain for employment for two months. One cold night, he went to the top of one of the tall buildings in Broadway and jumped off. Debt claimed another victim. How to Master the Fear of Poverty To whip the fear of poverty, one must take two definite steps, providing one is in debt. First, quit the habit of buying on credit, and follow this by gradually paying off the debts that you have already incurred. Being free from the worry of indebtedness, you are ready to revamp the habits of your mind and redirect your course towards prosperity. Adopt, as part of your definite chief aim, the habit of saving a regular portion of your income, even if this has no more than a penny a day, very soon this habit will begin to hold lay of your mind and you will actually get joy out of saving. The habit may be discontinued by habit by building in its place some other more desirable habit. The quote spending quote habit must be replaced by the quote saving habit by which all attained financial independence. Merely to discontinue an undesirable habit is not enough as such habits have a tendency to reappear unless they are place they formerly occupied in the mind is filled by some other habit of a different nature. The discontinuance of a habit leaves a quote hole in the mind and this hole must be filled up with some other form of habit or the old one will return and claim its place. Throughout this course many psychological formulas which the student has been requested to memorize and practice have been described. You will find such a formula in lesson three the object of which is to develop self-confidence. These formulas may be assimilated so that they become part of your mental machinery through the law of habit if you will follow the instructions for their use which accompany each of them. It is assumed that you are striving to attain financial independence. The accumulation of money is not difficult after you have once mastered the fear of poverty and developed in its place the habit of saving. The author of this course would be greatly disappointed to know that any student of the course got the impression from anything in this or any of the other lessons that success is measured by dollars alone. However, money does represent an important factor in success and it must be given its proper value in any philosophy intended to help people in becoming useful, happy, and prosperous. The cold, crude, relentless truth is that this age of materialism a man is no more than so many grains of sand which may be blown helter-skelter by every stray wind of circumstance unless he is entrenched behind the power of money. Genius may offer many rewards to those who possess it, but the fact still remains that geniuses without money will which to give it expression is but an empty skeleton-like honor. The man without money is at the mercy of the man who has it, and this goes regardless of the amount of ability he may possess. The training he has had or the native genius with which he was gifted by nature. There is no escape from the fact that people will weigh you very largely in the light of bank balances, no matter who you are or what you can do. The first question that arises in the minds of most people when they meet a stranger is, quote, how much money has he, quote, if he has money, he is welcome to the homes and businesses opportunities are thrown his way. All sorts of attentions are lavished upon him. He is a prince and is such entitled to the best of the land. But if his shoes are run down at the heels, his clothes are not pressed, his collar is dirty, and he shows plainly the signs of impoverished finances, woe be his lot, for the passing crowd will step on his toes and blow the smoke of disrespect in his face. These are not pretty statements, but they have one virtue. They are true.
This tendency to judge people by the money they have or the power to control money is not confined to any one class of people. We all have a touch of it, whether we recognize the fact or not. Thomas A. Edison is one of the best known and most respected inventors in the world, yet it is no misstatement of facts to say that he would have remained a practically unknown, obscured personage had he not followed the habit of conserving his resources and shown his ability to save money. Henry Ford never would have got to the first base with his, quote, horse, horseless carriage, quote, had he not developed quite early in life the habit of saving. Moreover, had Mr. Ford not conserved his resources and hedged himself behind their power, he would have been, quote, swallowed up, quote, by his competitors or those who covetously desired to take his business away from him long, long years ago. Many a man has gone a very long way towards success, only to stumble and fall, never to again rise because of the lack of money in times of emergency. The mortality rate in businesses each year due to the lack of reserve capital for emergencies is stupendous. To this, one cause are due more of the business failure than to all other business, all other causes combined. Reserve funds are essential in the success of operations of business. Likewise, savings accounts are essential to success on the part of individuals. Without a savings fund, the individual suffers in two ways. First, by inability to seize opportunities that come only to the person with some ready cash, and second, by the embarrassment due to some unexpected emergency calling for cash. It might be said, also, that individual suffers in still a third respect by not developing the habit of saving, through the lack of certain other qualities essential of success, which grow out of the practice of habit of saving. The nickels, dimes, and pennies, which the average person allows to slip through their fingers, would, if systematically saved and properly put to work, eventually bring financial independence. Through the courtesy of Prominent Building and Loan Association, the following table has been compiled showing what a monthly saving of $5, $10, $25, and $50 would amount to at the end of 10 years. These figures are startling when one comes to consider the fact that the average person spends from 5 to 50 a month for useless merchandise or so-called entertainment. The making and saving of money is a science. Yet the rules by which the money is accumulated are so simple that anyone may follow them. The main prerequisite is a willingness to support it, the present to the future by eliminating unnecessary expenditures for luxuries. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at keybravo.com. That is kb at keybravo.com. Have a wonderful day and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.